everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Doing good. We're doing good. Well, uh, I am Pastor John. I have the joy of serving as pastor here at City of Lights, and uh, so excited to be with you all here this morning. Um, I just love worshiping Jesus. Isn't it just great to come into the family of God? I last week, as we we are continuing. If you're here for the first time, we've been going through a series called the Unshakables, and each week we've been discussing the unshakable foundations of the faith. I don't need this earpiece that's in my ear. I was really loud. Excuse me. Let's take that off the CD, <laughs> off the recording. Which, by the way, if you didn't know, we actually have a City of Lights podcast that is up. Woo woo. If you go to Apple, you can see, uh, listen to the sermons, not see them because we're not showing any video. Uh, but you can check out the podcast on uh, Apple, City of Lights Church. Uh, but anyway, so we've been in this series going through the unshakables, talking about the unshakable foundations of the faith. Last week, we talked about the church, the family of God, that the church is a family. Regardless of what you might have heard, what you experienced, what you thought, that God God's family is what we call the church. It's not about a construct, although we will have buildings at times. It's, it's not about, it's not limited to size, although it is a ever-growing family. And so that's really what we hit on last week. And one of the two of the things that I absolutely love, because they are two things that are, will be eternal. As we talk about the foundations of the faith, I think it's interesting that we remember that there are certain things that we actually only have the opportunity to do this side of heaven. That's why it's so important that we are urgent and we have a certain sense of urgency when it comes to telling people about Jesus because when Christ returns and when we are in heaven and, and or, or when we are on the other side of eternity, there will be no need for evangelism. Amen? There'll be no need for evangelism. Why? Everyone will be in the complete, full presence of God. It says that he will be the light of God will be our light. There'll be no need for the sun and the moon. We'll be in his presence. There will be no need for discipleship. You with me? We're tracking together. There'll be no need for discipleship. You'll have like, I wonder sometimes if heaven will be like a glimpse of the, I'm sure it will be mag, wonderfully greater than this. But, you know, often, if you've ever watched the first Matrix movie, the first one, um, there's a scene where, you know, they get a download and all of a sudden Keanu Reeves is like, I know Kung Fu. Or they ask somebody, do you know how to dry, fly that thing? He's like, mm, I do now. Where it's like, man, the things that you always wanted to do, you get to heaven, you're like, hey, God, can I learn that? He's like, yeah, boom, got it. All right, I can play piano, you know, all, the, all these things. But there will be no need for discipleship. But two things that will eternally ever be a part of the Christian experience that we get to join in right now is, number one, family, and number two is worship. When you think about it, one of the things that's so important for us 
to, to do is whenever we're experiencing something or we're walking through something, I think especially when it comes to the context of the, the, the family of God, is we have to ask ourselves, what was God's intent from the beginning? When you look at Genesis, you see very closely that his intent was that we would experience family and we would experience that fellowship and that communion of worship. That there was that relationship, that worship was really our, uh, our, our language. It was the language of communion between God and man. That God would speak to his children and his children in response to his love would pour out worship towards him. Now many times when we talk about worship, it's within the context of music. We only think of it as musical uh, in nature, we think of singing, we think of lifting our hands, we think of clapping. But really with, within this holistic concept of worship, though that's an aspect of it, the holistic uh, picture of worship is so much more all-encompassing that it's not just about a song, it's not about the song you sing, but it's really a posture of our lives. We say worship is a posture of submission. That's really what it is. It's a posture of submission. One of the words that we see for worship in the New Testament is a word, it's a, uh, it's a word proskeneu. And it means, it literally means to kiss towards it, to lay at the feet like a dog would lie at the feet of its master. It's making oneself low. Placing, I'm placing myself under the greatness or under the submission of said object. And when we sometimes... When it comes to uh, this concept, sometimes we don't connect to it as clearly within the church setting, but worship is happening all around us all the time. And at all times, we are wired for worship. So we look at, you know, you don't, you can turn on the television. You, uh, as a matter of fact, I was, you know, you, you look at the fans that are out there. I don't know how many of you like to watch the sports drafts. Uh, whether it's the NFL draft or the NBA draft, but one of the things that is always inter- entertaining to me, I, I'm a big sports fan, is watching the fans that show up to the draft, and they're like decked out head to toe. They look absolutely crazy. Some of them have been waiting out in the cold for hours and hours and hours and hours, and they've adjusted their schedules. They've aligned their finances. They've taken off at work all just so that they can be at this one event and scream where they actually have no impact on the outcome. No impact at all. And yet they have submitted their time, their talent, their treasure, their families. They've made all these adjustments. Why? To elevate something. It's worship. It, you know, we can, you know, a, an amazing vehicle that we have for worship now, and some of you, you know, I, I love the social media. I utilize social media. It's, it's, a, it's a great medium. But one of the things that I think is fascinating about social media is it's actually become an incredible agent for worship leaks. Is because if you really want to know what people value, just watch their feed. Right? Because what they have poured out their affections towards, what they have aligned themselves with and under will tend to uh, gravitate to the top of that feed. So, you know, I got to admit, Lord's working with me on worship and food, right? If you look at my feed, you're probably going to see something fried, you know. 
some folks just know they're like, Pastor, you like mac and cheese. I don't know how you would know. It might have anything to do with the pictures of mac and cheese I posted before, you know. But if you look at my feed, one of the things you'll see, I love my family. I love my kids. They all have hashtags, you know. See, I told you I like social media. It's okay. But my point is, is that we naturally worship because we were made continuously worshiping. Harold Best, the author of this book called Unceasing Worship, he says it that way. He says, all humans were made continuously worshiping. You cannot help but worship. So it's never a question of whether or not you will worship God, or I'm sorry, whether you or not you will worship, but who or whom will be the object of your worship and your devotion. And so this morning, our big idea is that the unshakable life passionately pursues God through a life of devotion, unshakable devotion. So I want to start out by reading, start, we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke. If you've got your Bibles with you in a physical form or on a device, and I just want to encourage you as well, if you don't have a Bible, if you have a smartphone, you have a Bible, okay? Y'all with me today? So I'm just going to take a little teachable moment right now, is every one of you in here, the, the scripture talks about what the five-fold ministry, it talks about different leadership gifts within the church. And the main thing that it emphasizes, this is not on my notes, but I'm giving this for free because I really want you all to grow, is that it says that the pastors, evangelists, pastors, preachers, teachers, these leaders, they are for serving, developing the body for works of ministry. What does that mean? is that the biblical model of the church isn't just you all come listening to a talking head and then go live your life and then come back the next week and listen to a talking head. But it's that you come to be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. That you are the ministers. That you, that's why we're called city of lights, is because we believe that this city will be lit up with the truth of God as each and every one of you in whatever field and whatever place that God's put you in, go out into your home, into your business place, into your school, into whatever sphere of influence and shine and be the light. So with that, if you're coming to be equipped, you don't go to a well to get water without bringing a bucket. And so I want to challenge us Come expecting that you're coming to get equipped. And so one of, my lead, one of my pastors used to always tell me, he said, whenever you come, come with a Bible, come with something to write on and something to write with. Because I want you all to expect that God has something for you today that he's going to use and give you a tool and a weapon to utilize, not just for your own life, but there's other people that are out there that are hungry, that are needing a word of truth, that are needing a word of encouragement. And how great would it be if all of a sudden when you hear that question that comes up to your, from your coworker, you hear that discussion with your classmate, and they're asking questions that each person, everyone has questions about God and about eternity, that all of a sudden the Holy Spirit reminds you of what you heard on Sunday because you actually listened, you wrote it down, you looked over it the next day, and now you are ready with an answer. Rather than going, oh, man, I wish I could have remembered what pastor said. I think it was good. Maybe. 
you know, and then, and then not be ready. So I want to encourage you in that. And so, again, I say, if you don't have a physical Bible with you, maybe you're, you're like, man, I, the only Bible I've seen was my mom's big, like, massive white Bible with the gold lettering that was used as a weapon. Um, I mean, some of those things are so heavy. You're like, don't drop it. It might just go right through the floor. Um, you have one on your phone. You can download the Bible app. There's plenty of Bible apps that are free, and it's an incredible resource. So I want to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to get off on that. Thank you, water. Luke chapter 11, chapter 10, starting in verse 38. It says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a, vi- a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted and with much serving. She went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father, help us this morning as we hear your word. Lord, help us not just to be people who have lots of information about you, but, Lord, people who walk in devotion with you. Lord, help us to press beyond um, just the religious malaise and the routine and just the rhythms at times of monotony. But, Lord, help us to press in to intimacy with you this morning, that we would know you, that we would be changed by you, and that we would be an agent of change in our city. In Jesus' name, amen. So I hit on what worship is Already, and really what I'd like to call that this morning is the heart of devotion. That heart of devotion, uh, the heart of worship is one that is submitted to God. It's submitted to Jesus. It's submitted to his word. Worship is a posture of submission. So you can sing all you want to. You can clap all you want to. You can go to church all you want to. But if your life itself is not being placed under the leadership and the direction of Jesus, then you're not a worshiper of Jesus. What you have become is ultimately what humanity has dealt with since the garden is a worshiper of yourself. We're an idol worshiper. When we look at the garden, man was in perfect fellowship with God and yet was enticed away. Man's affections were enticed and drawn away and we began to not just worship the creator, but we began to worship created things. Romans says this in uh, Romans one twenty three: We exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Then there's a quote by, uh, by Ralph Waldo Emerson that says, a person will worship something, have no doubt about that, but we may think our tribute is paid in secret in the dark recesses of our heart, but it will always come out because that which dominates our imaginations and our thoughts will determine our lives and our character. 
what you behold, you will become. See, we were made in the image of God. We were made continuously worshiping, and, and our intent and our design was that we would be continually worshiping the living God, the, the one whom created us in his image. That as we interact with him, that as we fellowship with him, as we spend time with him, that we would become more like him. That as we spend time in the presence of God, that we would love more. Why? Because he is love. That as we spend time in the presence of God, that forgiving and extending mercy to others would come easier. Why? Because he's extended mercy to us. Because he's forgiven us. And so the more we get around him, the more we take on his character. I can see instantly when you walk in here, for the most part, I can tell people who have spent a lot of time laying out in the sun this past week. Why? Because the more time you spend in, in, in the presence of the sun, in the rays of the sun, you will be changed. You'll look like it. In the same way, the, the more time we spend in the presence of the Son of God, we look like it. We're changed. We become more like him. Unfortunately, it goes the other way as well. The things that we begin to worship and align ourselves with and put ourselves in the presence of, we begin to take on that character. You behold what you become. It's amazing to me, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm not one that says necessarily, you know, you come to faith and God. I don't know how many of you kind of grew up in an environment where it's not as easy to do now that you have streaming. But it's like back in the day, you get right with God and you're like, I'm getting rid of all my secular CDs. I'm getting all that Casey and JoJo out of here. Class of 98, what? Um, I'm getting rid of all that, you know. I, and, and, and some of those CDs, you kind of hold on a little bit tighter. You're like, uh, I might save this one for marriage. <laughs> I, had, I, had, I had what we called, the, Kelly and I both, we had a, a vault of those CDs that were like, we can't open this until that night. There was some. Teddy P and some other songs, but uh, but you just you try to get rid of all of these things, and the truth is, acknowledge it or not, people say, I just like the beat. We have to be mindful. We tell our boys, guard your gate. We have to be mindful of the things that we behold, the things that we saturate ourselves with, because they will affect our choices. They affect our thoughts. Our thoughts affect our emotions. Our emotions affect our actions. And so over time, as we put ourselves and we align our lives with different mindsets and worldviews and things, all of a sudden we find ourselves thinking as a, according to that which we've worshipped. It's the devotion. It's more than just information. It's when that information it affects our emotions. I knew that I had an issue with my worship of the Indianapolis Colts when my friends would know when I was attending Anderson University. My friends knew whether or not to call me on Sunday afternoon based on whether or not the Colts won. Because I was so invested. I mean, I was invested in the Colts when they were horrible. Like, some of y'all don't remember the times when it's like we had the kicker as a quarterback. You know, you're like, man, you know, you, you look at the, you check the score not to see whether or not we won by how much we lost. 
by. And then we had like a nice little run with Jim Harbaugh, and he kind of got our hopes up. And then the Lord opened up the heavens and released Peyton Manning out of the clouds. And yes, Lord, you have been so faithful, right? 98 and blazoned. But I would be so wrapped up in it that it it wasn't just information. It wasn't just, you know, a a mental thing. But the information affected my emotions. And the emotions affected my actions. We have to align our devotion with the Lord. He is who we were made for. He is who we're called to walk in undistracted devotion towards. And what I want to look at, at, you know, what, when I see this story in Luke between M- Martha and Mary, a lot of times what happens is it becomes like this showdown. Uh, if you've ever heard this preached, it becomes like a Mary versus Martha thing, right? Where it's like the, the what, how I've seen this played out in church settings at times, it's like, the worshipy, artsy, flowy freedom. We just want to just bask and soak in the presence. Just soak in the presence versus the people that are more focused on theology and order and let's have some structure and is service. how long is service going to be? And we have the, we create these two dichotomies that we often do, but it's not about worshiping versus serving. It's actually about keeping the main thing the main thing. When we look at this, you see, Jesus, he, this, this wasn't just any, any house. Jesus loved hanging out with Mary and Martha. Like, he, he felt welcome at their home. Like, anybody just, you just know a person that's just got a gift of hospitality. Like, it's just on them. You love going over their house because you always know there's going to be something to eat. They're going to make you feel at home. They're going to have a good, comfortable couch. Like, it's just, they just have that gift. I'll tell you, somebody who has that gift is Mrs. Risa Crowder. Anybody know the Crowders? Like, they have seven kids, so it's like when you show up, it's just one more. You know, it's one more egg to fry, you know. It's just like, come on in. I mean, we've lost track. One of them have left. You can just move in. There's a bedroom over there. You know, they just make you feel welcome, and they think about things that some people don't think about. You know, they think about, can I get you a drink? You know, let me get you something to eat. You go over to my grandfather's house. My grandfather's going to feed you. Like, it's just part of the culture. It doesn't matter if you just got back from a five-course meal. You're going to eat something. Now, I'm going to fry some corn. I want to do something. It's like, that's what my granddad is. Like, fry some corn, throw some rice and some butter and some sugar on it, give them to him. Um, but it's just that hospitality. So you love to go to somebody's house that has hospitality. And Jesus, he loved to go because he knew, man. Man, last time we were there, Martha was throwing down. Martha loved to serve. She loved to create an atmosphere where Jesus could be ministered to, could be blessed, would come back. He loved to hang out there. Now, there was nothing wrong with that. Mary, Mary wasn't like that. Mary's kind of the one. She might show up a little bit late. You know, she's just happy because she had a... She just on the way back, she ran into somebody she hadn't seen in a while and just started talking and, oh, we'll get there. This is more important. It's about fellowship. Let's just talk. Let's hang out. She's taking her time. She probably walked and, like, was smelling, smelling the roses, saw a bird, wrote a song about it. You know what I'm saying? Saw the water, wrote a song about it, you know, because we love water songs. 
And she got there, and she's like, oh, my gosh, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. It's been so long. Oh, let me just tell me. Just tell me what's going on. And, and she's just sitting there. She's not thinking about going to fix anything. She's not thinking about all that. She's just listening. She's focused because Jesus is here, and she's locked in. Now, I want us to see that the issue was not that Mary was better than Martha. This isn't a, a rebuke to everyone who's wired like Martha. The issue was the distraction. The issue was that Martha lost focus of what the main thing was. And I want you to see what that produced in her. It said, and she called, it said, um, Martha welcomed him into her house. She, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teacher in verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So we see that it wasn't the issue of the service. The issue was the distraction, that the, her distracted attention caused her to now question and forget who was in her presence. How many times do we get distracted by the things of life and forget about the character of God? Say, like, God, do you even care about the situation I'm in right now? Do you even care about the fact that I haven't had a full paycheck in five months? Do you even care about the fact that I'm in over my head with bills? Do you even care about the fact that my body has been aching and hurting and I've been fighting this thing for year after year? Do you even care about the fact that I haven't spoken to so-and-so in this? Do you even care? That's a product of distraction. Because we forget. Oh. Do you care? You've given everything for me. Not only did it cause her to now question and forget the character and the goodness of God, but now it turned her against her own sister. That happens to us all the time, right? We get distracted. We get our focus, our worship out of alignment. Not only do we begin to question the character of God, but now we start to turn on each other. Man, we were talking this morning. You know, when we, when we get here, you know, we have an incredible team that shows up at 6.30. Many people getting up earlier, much earlier before that to be ready. And we're setting up things and setting up wires and all these things. And, you know, it can be so easy in the setup and the teardown, whether we're working together the church, that we can get distracted by the work and forget why we're doing this in the first place. Forget who is the object of our affection. And so when that distraction comes, all of a sudden you just start looking inward. You, we call it navel gazing. You're just staring at all, the, all your wrongs and all your, man, what is, he, what is he doing? Can you stop drinking coffee and go plug something in? Do you even care that people are going to be walking in here in 30 minutes? Oh, my gosh, I can't stand him. You, you start to turn on each other, and you get this attitude. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. We have some very real, transparent moments in the Owens household. And one day, uh, we were, I was preaching on, I was getting ready for my message to preach on lordship and submitting 
all things to him and, and the Lordship of Jesus. And I'm working on my notes, and Kelly and I, we were kind of stressed out, and she came up to me, <laughs> and I was in the flesh. I was distracted. And, um, you know, she's trying to juggle some kids and a diaper, and I was trying to juggle some things, and we get in this heated discussion, and we're like, fine, 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 I'm working on my message. And then she goes, yeah, why don't you go with your nasty attitude and work on your message? And then I look at my notes, and, like, the first thing is submission is dying to self. (laughs) It's like hashtag dead. Dead. (laughs) We turn on each other. We get distracted. We we, We forget who he is. We forget who the people around us really are, why we're here, why we're in this thing together. See, We haven't even talked. We're talking about worship today. We haven't even talked about instruments. Why? Because it's not just about music. It's about a posture of our hearts. You can't say that you're a worshiper and yet walk in constant bitterness with your neighbor. It doesn't work. Y'all with me this morning? I just want to make sure everybody gets this because we love to talk about, man, I love to worship. I've heard so many people, I've been in gospel choirs. We're going to sing. We're going to shout. Ah! And as soon as you step off the platform, you see somebody, can't stand that mother. Shouting, I'm a witness, I'm a witness. And just going all kind of crazy. And then as soon as you step off the platform, cut that side eye. That mm. Who does she think she is? Or, or, (laughs) no, I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. We, We love to sing. We love to shout. But when it comes to worshiping and honoring the Lord with our finances, with our resources, all of a sudden now, we just question everybody. Man, I don't know. That pastor's just probably padding his pockets. Man, I, all of a sudden now we get like wor- worship cramp. Like, oh, I would totally give, but I went hard in the paint today. So I'm going to hit you next Friday. Um When the reality is, when we worship, there is, there is fruit that comes out of that. That alignment solves a lot of the issues that we struggle with. If you find yourself frustrated and weary and agitated in a short fuse with your spouse or your roommates, it's probably not all the things that we think it is. It's, pro- it's really an issue of alignment an issue of our devotion and our worship. So I want to look at the art of devotion. What is it? How do, how do we walk in this lifestyle of worship? How do we walk in this kind of relationship that will produce the right kind of fruit? In the book of John, John 15, 
I'm going to read John 15, 5, and then seven, jump to 7 through 8. It says, he, Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, it, is, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By, the, by this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. If we want to cultivate the way that we align, the way that we abide, the way that we focus our devotion is through abiding. And what does that mean? That means we got to spend time with him. Three ways that we abide. Number one is we abide with his word, his word in me. That's his scripture. If you want to know him, you got to spend time with him. You got to read this word. You got to read this Bible, not just so that you can check off the box that says that you did, but to know him, to know him. Another way we abide is by spending time in prayer. It's my words to him. Prayer is talking to God. It's a conversation. You don't have to all of a sudden adopt a King James or a British accent to be able to communicate with the Father. It's amazing how, like, you can hang out with people, and they just talk. It's like, hey, what's good, man? What's good, man? All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for thy bounty. You're like, wait, you're from Muncie. Like, where did that come from? Right? No, no, no. It's just talking to God. You don't have to, you know, some people, I think it's like even when we pray together, when we pray in our city groups, I can tell, I can feel this intimidation where it's like, oh, man, I really want this to sound good. So they know, they think I'm more spiritual. No, no, we don't care about that. We care about being real. We serve a real God who loves real people. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, if, if you can, maybe you are very naturally poetic. My wife, she's just a wordsmith. So she says things, she writes things. I'm like, I don't even, I, I don't, what am I doing with my life? Like, I read a poem that she wrote one time about her relationship with Jesus. And I read, I thought, I don't, I don't even know if I know Jesus the way you know Jesus. I don't even know if I love right now. What must I do to be saved? Just leave me to the Lord right now. I'm ready to go. You know, that might not be your gifting. You might be like me where you just kind of, sometimes you just fumble over your words because you're just so full of things. God can take it. Talk to him. You know, I, I have so many people that will come and, and, and just bring all kinds of concerns or worries or things that they're processing with. And the first thing I ask them, have you, have you talked to the Lord about this? And it's like, wait, I mean, no. He says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. He cares for you. And so we want to pray. We want to talk to the Lord. And, and I just give you all this permission as well. Not every human can handle all of you, right? Like especially when you're mad, you're emotional, you're ready to just fly off the handle. Sometimes it's best that you don't vomit certain things on folks because people, people are people. We got brokenness. We got issues. Sometimes we don't know how to handle everything. But God can. He can handle all your questions, all your anger. You know, I know this might sound blasphemous. Somebody might rebuke me later. I receive it. 
But one thing I'm pretty confident in is if Jesus can take on all the sins of the world, he can handle me cussing if I'm mad at sometimes. I'm saying you should go around being profane, but what I'm saying is there's times where you're hurt, where you're broken, where you are not filtered, and he can handle it. He can handle it. You don't have to censor things for him because he kind of already knows it. That's like a real thing. Omnipresent, omniscient, he knows it all. He knows what you're thinking. So prayer, spending time in prayer, not just talking to him, but listening back. He speaks to us. Now, one thing I want to encourage you in that is he will never speak anything that's contrary to his word. So I always tell people, whether you get where, you know, we believe in the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is declaring and, and declaring something that's in alignment with the word of God, of encouragement, of exhortation to others. Anything that somebody says to you, thus saith the Lord, you need to check and make sure that he said it. But when we hear him, he speaks to us. So we abide in him in his scripture, in his word. And the other aspect is actual musical worship. I told we'd get there. But one of the things that's so powerful about musical worship, when it serves its purpose, is that it's not a substitution for the alignment of our hearts, but it's a release of the alignment of our hearts. So the heart of musical worship is, it's a great way to align us, and that's why it's so important that we're mindful of the lyrics and the songs that we sing, that they're actually saying things that align with truth and remind us and affirm his truth. That's why we don't want to just sing songs about, oh, I'm so broken, oh, I'm so broken, oh, I'm so destitute, and when I'm horrible, and oh, you see me, and you see me so worthless, And it's like half the song, like two-thirds of the song is like, I'm defeated, I'm broken, I'm lonely, I'm hurting, I'm begging, depleted. And then there's like two lines, they're like, but you love me. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't even feel like I went, I feel like I went from zero to like negative 30, and then I just kind of got kind of close. Not that we can't have songs of lament. The Psalms are full of songs of lament. But we got to be mindful that we're not just singing a bunch of emo emo songs that like tweak a lyric at the end, right, just so that we can sing it in church. But that what we're saying, you know, that's why I love some of the hymns. A lot of people, hymns get a bad rap. But people forget that the hymns were actually songs, they were just put to the bar tunes, they were repurposed bar songs. Like, it would be like if somebody, like, changed the lyrics to, like, a club song right now, right? You know, or, and repurposed it just so that it would stick with people and they would remember it. That was the whole point of these songs is that, you know what, we're going to take theological truth and we're going to connect it with a song that people are going to be singing anyway and will remember so that every time they sing these songs. They're just going li- to be lining their hearts and aligning their lives with the truth of the God. It's important that you don't just come in an environment where they're singing, but that you sing. That you sing. That your lips make these confessions. You don't have to sing pretty. That's why we turn up the speakers real loud. 
I'm kind of joking, kind of not joking, all right? Because I don't want you thinking about that. I want you just to sing out, sing unto God. Release the sound of worship. And the beautiful thing is this, and this is why it's important that we worship in community. You should worship on your own. Like worship at home, worship with your family, worship in your closet. But you should also worship and not forsake gathering together. Why? Let me tell you why. Because it's a beautiful thing. I would encourage you, don't always close your eyes the whole time when you're worshiping. Because you actually are like cheating yourself out on one of the greatest things of corporate worship. Is looking around you at the lives and the testimonies that are making these same declarations. I remember when I was in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm on stage and it was uh, only a couple years after um, our daughter, Aria, had passed away when she was six months. And I'm standing on the stage, and I look over, and I see a woman who I know her daughter has been fighting cancer on a whole, just so many levels, had lost her eyesight, has not been able to walk. There's so many things. And she is, I mean, singing at the top of her lungs, I know that you are for me. And I look over at her and see this woman who's going through it declaring the truth of the Lord. And I'm like, man, I know I can sing this song. I know he's real. I know he's working. Then I look at this lady over here that's actually on the stage and sitting in a stool because she's, her body, she's been battling MS. But she wasn't going to let that keep her from worshiping. And so when we worship together, we get to look at the testimonies and the lives from people who are older than us, younger than us, different experiences, different ethnicities, different, different backgrounds, all coming together to worship the one true living God. This is how we abide in him. As we begin to worship and pray and get his word in us, it begins to produce something. I want to talk about what does it produce? What is the result of this devotion. What is a result of this? Number one is intimacy. Proximity breeds intimacy. You want to get closer to someone? Just spend more time with them. Spend more time with them. The things that your heart tends to gravitate towards is probably because that's what you spend the most time with. That's why we've got to guard our time. Be mindful of the things that consume our energy and our affections and our talents. The other thing it produces is the more time, the more intimacy that is developed, there will be a clarity. What do I mean by that? Is I've spent a lot of time around Kelly. My wife, for those of you who don't know, there's not like a random Kelly around here that I spent a lot of time with. My wife, Kelly. I spend a lot of time with her, and because I spend a lot of time with her, I know her voice. When I hear her say something in a hallway, I know it's her and not some random person. Why? Because I've spent time with her. So there's a clarity. I recognize when she's speaking. As we get time and we abide in, in, in the Lord and we spend time with him in prayer and in his word, when we hear his voice, we recognize it. The other thing is, which is a great benefit, is when we hear something that's not aligned with his voice, we can recognize it. Sometimes it's more, even more vital that we recognize what is a lie. 
What are the lies? What are the thoughts that the enemy wants you to think? You know, I don't know how many times, even sometimes the enemy will try to puff you up with pride. I remember leading worship one time, and the band was great. The atmosphere was great. And all of a sudden, I heard this little phrase in my mind. It said, man, you are awesome at this. Like, look at the way they respond. And I knew immediately, that ain't the Lord. (laughs) The Lord will encourage me, but it wasn't about me. The enemy wanted me to be distracted. He wanted me to think that it was about me. Why? Because that's what happened to him. That's how Lucifer fell is he actually thought rather than being a reflector of the glory of God that he was the producer of the glory of God. He'll get you distracted. So we, we, we want to get intimate with him, close to the Lord, so that we have that clarity. It produces a clarity. The other thing that that clarity produces is a fruitfulness. A fruitfulness in our lives. We understand what his word says and we're spending time in his presence. And what did we say before? What you behold, you will become. So I'm not just getting information, but there's transformation taking place in me. I'm becoming more like him. It's becoming easier to love. I'm actually developing more of a heart to love and serve others. And it's not because so-and-so begged me to serve in City Kids ministry, but it's because God has produced a passion in my heart for this next generation. And you know what? There's a grace in it. I'm not consumed by how tired I am and how many things are going on. That You know what I can say? You know what? I can love and serve. And it might not be, you know, it's maybe it's not even just about serving. It's just about the way we respond to one another. Again, I talk about this happens a lot within roommate relationships or within marriage relationships where it's amazing how easy it is to love my wife when I spend time in the presence of God and not just get around him, but let him transform me. It's amazing how much more full of patience and love I am towards my children when I am full of his word and not just feeding off of my flesh and operating on fumes. It produces a fruitfulness, the kind of fruitfulness that we were made to produce as we abide in him. And then lastly today, it produces growth. This growth as a follower of Jesus. God created us continuously worshiping. We were made to be devoted. We were made for devotion. I want to challenge us this morning. Let us not just be content with pouring out our affection and time into so many frivolous things, but let us take time to align our hearts, to cut out the distraction and focus on the one, the one who has created us, the one true vine who will sustain us, who will strengthen us, who will restore us, who will renew our soul. I want us to be marked as a church of worshipers. I want City of Lights, when it's said of us, when people talk about the kind of people in the community that we have, I want it to be known that we are worshiping people. But I only want the music part of it to be a small portion. I want it to not be so much about what we do in here as much as it is what we do out there. When they interact, when they get around you in other settings, that they see this person isn't just a person that sings on Sunday. 
they actually love Jesus and live it out every day of the week. We're not going to be perfect, but the more and more we spend time in the presence of the perfect one, he's going to make us like him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. You're so gracious. You're so gracious. You're so kind. And Lord, I'm just so grateful that you didn't just make us um, just as like trophies or you didn't just make us as another creature to just say, get out the way. Don't, don't mess anything up. But you designed us for fellowship and communion with you. And you did so knowing that it would be through that relationship that we would not only become more like you, but as a result that we would be fully alive. That we wouldn't just be formed by you, we wouldn't just be filled with your breath, but that we would be fully alive. Fully alive and in love. Fully alive in freedom. Fully alive in your peace. Fully alive in joy. And yet, somehow, <laughs> we so easily get distracted. But I know today there's many of us, if not all of us in here, even today have already fought and will continue to fight that battle. Lord, whether we've gotten distracted by the circumstances that have come up, whether we've gotten distracted by what we think somebody should have done for us, whether we've been distracted of the lack that we have, whether we have been distracted by the overabundance of issues that we have. I, Lord, I ask that you'd help us to put you before our eyes. That you would refocus and help us to remember the main thing. Lord, I pray that as you do that, Lord, that not only would we individually become more like you, but we as a people of God, the family of God, would love like you, would serve one another like you do, would walk in compassion and empathy with one another the way that you care for us. Let us be a worshiping people, a people devoted with undistracted devotion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.